What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. So, Jake, welcome back to the podcast. Yes, sir. We're sitting here. We're, we're attempting to do a phone call interview. Yeah, and uh, I think I like it. <laughs> I don't have to look at you, and I can just look at my computer and sit here and not be bugged by your ugly face. Well, you know what it is? It's it's my hat. I got my hat on right now, and it it's, it hasn't been formed yet. So it just so makes it's flat. It... Are you wearing a bandana underneath it? I should. Should I? Shouldn't I? <laughs> it's kind of your style, <laughs> right? Right. It's it's. Oh, you're thinking of like a flat bill hat. I'm talking about my cowboy oh, yeah. hat. It hasn't been formed yet. Oh, yeah. That's okay. That's style now. You're pretty uh, good at forming hats, uh, though. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I'll do it in the room real quick. <laughs> if somebody needs it with the iron, iron with, board. With the iron and a little bit of water? Yep. Yep. It works. I've done it to you before. I, I know. I think. I was grateful. Yeah. Yeah, now country music. There's a couple of those artists out there like the, um, uh, I couldn't name them, but they have uh, those same hats. They look like little Andy's walking around. <laughs> it's great. So today we're going to try to achieve a goal. Kind of got a little bit of a three-ring circus going on. And uh, we're going to kind of mm. dive into some worms here. And, uh, you know, I, 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 something that I love talking to you often, cause I get to talk to you often and talk to you maybe too much. <laughs> you <It's>, tell me. <laughs> you, you tell me, man. I'm calling you. You're not calling me. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Oh my God. Um, so how do you feel about digging into some cans of worms? I like it, man. Some, and like you said, you we always talk all the time, and and a lot of people. I talk on the phone a lot, man. Yeah. And uh, I'm very fortunate uh, because it. I like talking about things that test your brain and test other people's brain and makes you think about like the who, what, where, and why of what we're normally doing and trying to achieve in life. So anyway, I enjoy it. I enjoy. It. If somebody says, "Hey, let's open a can of worms." Like, you'll see me. I'll just pour myself a cup of water and I'll sit down. Like, yeah, let's do that. Sounds good to me. Let's see how this goes. Something you just you just talked about and you brought up is talking with people, trying to open your mind, you know, have a, a little bit better of an understanding or, or being challenged mentally. I mean, because on the mountain, dude, what are we doing all the time? We're challenging ourselves mentally. We're challenging ourselves physically. We're always out there trying mm -hmm. to do something special, right? And Yeah, for sure. For me, a, a big thing that I try to do, and, and it's something that I enjoy talking with you about or talking to you in general, is, is you really help me 
you you challenge my thought process if that makes sense you challenge you bring up better ways for me to look at situations and not necessarily better all the time it's just different <laughs> you know maybe sometimes it's abstract i yeah. don't know but yeah i hear what you're saying for yeah sure. for sure for sure so um, let's dive in <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're I'm good. I'm wired right now, man. Good. Let's, hyper, let's dive into yes. this, man. Yeah, for sure. So tell me, why do you think why we hunt is important? Uh, well, everybody has something different uh, when they're going out and they're going hunting. Everybody's, I, I, I don't think we're going to go hunting without a purpose or without a reason inside of us. Some people, it's, it's uh, challenging. Some people... It's something new. Some people, it's just straight up a check mark next to their name that they're hunters. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, <laughs> so why we hunt is important. Sorry, back to your question. Uh, has to define that in themselves. Uh-huh. We can go out and be successful to make sure that we're doing it for all the right reasons. Uh, I don't know how to answer that question other than that, but... Um, no, I, I don't even know if I answered your question there, to be honest. Um, did they stump, did they stump of, you? Okay. No, <laughs> I, I, I got super distracted just for a second. We're going to need to, this is going to be a chopping block for a second. Is this? Do you mind? No. Okay. Yeah. You're going to have to cut this out just for a second. Go ahead. Because what I did is I clicked off of the page where I was reading the document. Uh huh. There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to cut that okay. out. Yeah, you have to. No way, dude. I, I got distracted. Um, no. Uh, so why we hunt is important. Um, because we have to know why we're going hunting. Uh, within ourselves before we can actually go out and be successful doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, some people uh, go out <laughs> just to challenge themselves and some people go out um, to be cool, realistically. Um, and both of those are okay. It's just uh, kind of defining it within yourself on what yeah. you're doing. And um, I don't know. I think that question could be phrased a little different. Um, How would you but, phrase it? Yeah. Uh, you know, not necessarily why we hunt is important, but why hunting is important to us, I guess I'd say. So um, why is hunting because, important to you? Uh, why is hunting important to me? So it's it's hard for me. Um, uh, been It's been, it's consumed everything in my life. Uh, since I was in high school, really, um, I've never had a job as an adult outside of the hunting industry. I've never, um, really, I've gone on like two vacations in my life that weren't going hunting. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's hunting to me, it's my whole life. Um, and so it's that, that's maybe why I got stumped on a question is you said, why, why we hunt is important. Um, it is important, but I'm, I'm having a hard time grasping, um, other people's reasons to do it. 
because <laughs> for me, it's just my way of life, and and it's all I do and all I think. No, it's not all I think about, but it's all I do. It's all, all consuming. Yeah, it's all consuming. It really is. Um, you know, like I was, I was, I wake up every morning and I read, and like this morning, sorry, just changing the subject. I don't know if I am or not, but like this morning, I was reading Proverbs, a book in the Bible, and everything I was reading. Um, and I'm just thinking about this now, I was translating it into hunting, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and not necessarily like the act of pursuing an animal and hoping I get him, you know, it's, it's the, it's the whole, the industry, the, um, the directions things are going, new laws, um, different outfitters, people that are out there really pushing the limits, everything, you know, is, um, I got, uh, I just realized, you know, that, um, it is all consuming for me and everything that I'm doing. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. You can relate a lot of different things to hunting. Um, uh, I'm, I'm getting a little sidetracked, but like, you know, uh, when it comes to hunting for me, um, I feel like I can have a legitimate conversation, uh, with somebody about business or, just about anything. And the reason I can do that is because I'm a hunter. Um, and because we always have to live on our toes and we have to understand so many different things to go out in the mountains and, uh, navigate properly and get there safely and get home safely and then read an animal and figure out how to go pursue it and everything else. Like hunting helps you in so many different ways. And, um, but so, so, you know, the why we hunt is important. Um, the why I hunt is uh, pretty much to fuel my life, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh huh. So, so something you brought up that I that I like to touch on is yeah. the Mister Cool guy, right? Yeah. Or like the I want to be the super cool hunter guy, right? Now, yeah. Here's why I want to bring that up. Is that, do you feel mm-hmm. that more and more with the influence of social media, that that is becoming a larger spectrum of people? Of course it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, social media, uh, to kind of just, uh, Andy knows me well, I just kind of have to break everything down with every question. But social media in general changes um, a lot of different things. So, uh, if you just look at marriage, you know, look at marriage, the past 15, 20 years when social media, or I guess 10 years when social media has really taken off, marriage has taken on an entire new, entirely new dynamic now. And, um, it's, it's ruining a lot of relationships, but it's also making a lot of relationships and it's taking people that might have struggled to find love for somebody. And now they're finding love for somebody. Um, and then it's also taking people that are way too easy to find love and now it's giving them access to the world of it. Now they're, you know, failing in their marriage when they might have had a successful marriage before. But it, it goes from marriage and then it can go into dating and it can go into um, the plumbing industry. You know, like it's changed, <laughs> it, you know, social media has changed everything. Yeah. And so now how can it not change the hunting industry and change the people in the hunting industry right like there's people now that uh were like the biggest badasses ever 
and you go to their Facebook page and they have, uh, you know, like uh, a couple, maybe a thousand followers or something, which no, you know, whatever, but they don't have a lot of followers or anything. Uh, but they were totally badasses and they totally are badasses, but now they've kind of lost the touch yeah. uh, with the public and they're no longer known as a badass because, you know, nobody's reading outdoor life, unfortunately, because it's a badass magazine, but nobody's reading outdoor life and they're looking at social media and reaching to those, you know, avenues. Um, but also it's taken people that are badasses and they're a little bit handy on social media. And so now they're super killing it. Um, but then there's that, uh, that stage of, um, posers, I guess, Mm -hmm. as you'd like to say, you know, like, um, there's a lot of people out there that, uh, they get a following off of either other people's pictures or, or a creative way to, uh, sell something. And, and now they're the face of hunting, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's. You know, social media is is an entirely different um, animal, and of course, it's changed it's changed hunters and it's changed the mindset of hunters. Even the old guy, uh, even the old guy who's oh, I've never had social media. I saw the flip phone, blah 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 blah. Uh, he's going <laughs> to go to a, a show, and um, somebody shot a ram, maybe smaller than him, or a deer, or whatever. And that guy's super famous and the old guy, you know, nobody saw it or anything like that. Um, and he's going to get a burr under his saddle, like all that kid, you know what I mean? And he's affected by social media all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, welcome to the world, right? Um, so it, it it's going to affect everybody and it always will. And it's going to, I think, um, it's just like flying a helicopter, you know, like I've never done, well, I've kind of done it, but like <laughs> if you turn the toggle to the right, you instantly have to go back to the left if you don't want to keep going to the right because, you know, you're just correcting every movement that you do. It's like balancing a pen on your finger, right? Um, uh, There's as much good as bad for all that stuff um, when we're talking about social media and what's kind of changing in that aspect. Yeah. Um, So that being said, talking about the last you know, 10, 15 years or whatever with the influence of social media and the popularity mm-hmm. of everything getting bigger and bigger and bigger via social media. How do you think hunting has changed in the last hundred years? Or what What do you think has changed in the last hundred years with hunting? You know... Uh... I, I know this will be hard for you to believe, but I wasn't here a hundred years ago. Are uh, you sure? But um, I do. I, I do. Um, a lot's changed, but also a little bit's changed. Uh, what has changed is uh, obviously uh, just to state the obvious: the technology has changed. Um, we're a lot more able. Uh, in the field, uh, not only with your optics, with being able to find game, but um, our ability to pursue the game uh, with technology on our phones, um, range finders, uh, uh, cell phones. I mean, everything like we're we really if you really wanted to just get down to the brass tacks, we're killing machines. And that's not always been uh, 
the case, obviously, for the last hundred years. Yeah. Um, that it used to be a lot more primitive. And um, it used to be a collection of kind of the hardest guys that would go out and be able to read the animal. And then um, if you think about it, 100 years ago, those guys had to get those animals out. And for anybody who's done it, like, first off, it's like a somewhat of a marathon. You have time frames you need to get out. Uh, you can't stay out for over long, or you, you can't stay out for overly long because uh, a lot of times you're not prepared for three days to walk out or whatever. You're prepared for two days to walk out. And so you have a time frame, you have a time stamp on what you're doing. And so um, you break the shoelaces on your boot. You know, you figure out a way to fix it. You know, you, you um, break your leg. It, that doesn't matter. You still have a time frame. If you're, if you're not out, you're going to die. You know, like things don't matter. And a hundred years ago, um, we could only have the toughest of the toughest guys out there. Um, and now we've kind of given crutches to people, uh, that might be able to, uh, that mindset's gone in a lot of ways, you know, for a lot of hunters. Now there's still, you know, some total badasses out there. Um, but in general, like, um, what's changed in the last hundred years, there's a lot more soft hunters now, you know, <laughs> like, like straight up, you know, if you ask any of my crew, like if I didn't push them emotionally or physically harder than they've been pushed in a long, long time, you know, uh, I would be surprised if I hadn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because you're. You, 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 everything's time stamped and nothing matters except getting your game and getting out alive, right? Yeah. And so nothing else matters. Deal with it, you know? Like get kicked in the face by a horse. Like put your teeth back in your mouth, get on the horse and ride out because we don't have any other options, you know? And that was 100% of the hunters 100 years ago to, had that mentality. If they wanted to live, if they wanted to meet, they did it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now we're soft. Well, and <laughs> also, I mean, I like what you're saying because I'm when you're out there, it's like, all right, you know, roll your sleeves up. You got to get it done. There's no, there's no mm-hmm. shortcut. There's no way around it. There, you know what I mean? It's like you either you're either gonna do it or you're not. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll tell people like that's a huge. Or uh, I'm, I'll get sidetracked. I'm just gonna leave it right there. But yeah, get sidetracked, man. That's, get sideways. No, no, no. That's it'll end up coming up, I'm sure. But what? Uh, that's the biggest thing that's changed, I would say, um, is we've gotten softer as hunters due to the technology and due to our big freaking brains that figured out how to make things easier. Making uh, the gear easier, making programming easier, making mapping easier, GPS coordination. Yeah. yeah. All that you stuff. don't have to be, you don't have to be brilliant, tough, and also understand animals anymore. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that still do. Yeah. But you don't have to. You know what I mean? Um. But yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I think that's changed in the last hundred years. Soft, doughy so. hunters. Yeah. Not all of them. <laughs> Not there all are of them. A bit of them. 
There's a couple lean years, ones out there, I'm years, sure. Right? 100 years ago, 100 years ago, 100% of the guys were badasses. Yeah. Now, there's a lot less than 100%. You know what I mean? That are badass hunters? You don't badass have to be a hunter anymore. No, I'd, you don't I'd have say, to be a badass hunter anymore. I'd say 10%, and that's generous. Probably. Yeah. Like, their faces are white with sunscreen. That's for sure. Wet behind the ears? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't 100 years ago. Right. So sure. what do you think? Now we talked about what has changed. What do you think hasn't changed? The ego. <laughs> yeah. The ego hasn't changed. You know, um, the ego hasn't changed at all. Like, like what you get for being a badass um, is being successful when you're hunting. It, you know, it makes you feel pretty good. And it makes you kind of puff your chest out of, and stuff like that. That mm-hmm. hasn't changed at all. You know, you see, you hear about the Indians, you know. Um, you don't think that the guy that led the freaking hunting party was the most proud, egotistical Indian. Sorry, I don't know if that's politically correct. Who cares? Native American. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying. Yeah. You know? This isn't a hundred years ago. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> okay. what hasn't changed, uh, you know, is the people's ego, you know, like if you didn't think that that native, the guy who was leading the freaking charge to go hunt Buffalo, didn't think that he was the biggest badass around and like was a little bit hard to talk to because he thought he was the bee's knees like that hasn't changed. But not uh, only did he think it, the entire village knew it, which is why he would hold that position. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's an earned position way. back then. Yeah. Yeah, and it and you know, it it's either an earned position or a luck position now uh-huh. to be a badass hunter. And, and and to be a badass hunter and, and produce time after time, you know, it doesn't it's not luck. And and uh somebody with the argument like, "Oh, you can buy it now." Uh, yeah, you can buy it, but you still have to hire the outfitters and stuff. And then here, let's think about this. You had to make that money yeah. to then go and pay that much money to go hunt. Yeah. And then you took the time off your schedule to go and hunt, and then you held out for the biggest animal. Like, yeah, that's badass too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, this guy is in the 700 Club, and it you know, cost him $700,000 or something crazy. Well, like... Yeah, that's an extreme level of badassery, uh, it, you know, but a lot of times our jealousy blocks us from seeing that, right? Yeah. So I would I would then want to ask, do you think for the guy who's paying for the guide and the outfitter and the, the compared to the DIY guy who's doing it himself, do you think there's a difference in the ego that's maybe being stoked? <laughs> no. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. There, the ego is the same. It's just how you do it. Like, uh, I'll give you an easy for instance. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm just gonna walk in. I'm just gonna take us through this tour. All right, uh, you walk in the front door of somebody's house. Okay, the guy says, "Hey, how are you doing?" Shakes your hand. Good, good, good. You walk in and and you come into his living room, and he goes, "Look at this." 250 inch mule deer I shot in Utah uh, when I bought the Poscon tag back in 89. 
or whatever. Like, I don't even know if that was a thing then. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Look at this giant deer uh, that I shot. Oh, yeah, cool. Whatever. And you go and you sit down and you say, wow, congratulations. That's really cool. Um, that's really doing something. And then you sit down and uh, you you have a beer and you talk about life and you carry on with your evening. Um, now let me – so he paid for that hunt. He paid for an outfitter. He paid for a guide. He paid for the tag. Now let me take you through the same scenario uh, walking into the DIY hunter's house. And this is showing, you know, just this uh, – anyway. So you walk in the front door. Hey, man, how's it going? Good, good, good. Shake his hand, blah, blah, blah. You walk in the living room. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're talking. Um, oh, you got to come over here real quick. This is my Traeger grill. You have never tasted meat this good in your life. I shot this meat myself. I went and I hiked so, so far, so far, and it was so exhausting. And I went down in the bottom of this gut, and I came out, and blah, 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 and taste this, and isn't this delicious? And oh, my gosh, yes, and and you should have seen it. You know, I shot the the buck at 295 yards freehand and scoped myself and uh, got stuck in the mud, blah, 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 blah. It's the same <laughs> stories. It's the same puff of the chest. Yeah. It's It's just – the only thing changing it is the financial decision behind it because the effort isn't even different because that man worked so damn hard to make that much money. Yeah. Now, some people are blessed with money uh, over others, and so there's a little bit of leeway with that. But people leave out that whole concept completely. You know, like there's not a person that's proud and an ego when it comes to hunting because if 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 you're not proud with what you're doing when you're hunting, you're not doing it for the right reasons or you're not working hard enough at it because it's pushing you. You know, it's pushing your body. It's pushing your mind. And if it's not, not pushing your body and it's not pushing your mind, you're extremely blessed in that situation where you should be proud of your blessings anyway, right? Counts so be proud when you're hunting. And uh, yeah, man. And, and so you need to be proud and you need to be ego-driven. And that hasn't changed in the last hundred years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and and like I said, I don't think it matters, you know, what what you're doing it for. Like, you know, a hundred years ago, they were doing it for me. But they were still proud and they still had egos. Uh, another thing that hasn't changed is it's hunting is in everybody. You know what I mean? People have soft spots for animals. People um, think harm, you know, you know, taking an animal's life is wrong in a lot of ways. Uh, what those people don't realize is just as much as smiling when you're uncomfortable is a habit for a human body. Hunting is the same. It's a survival technique that's in our blood and that will never go away, you know? And, and I love, um, I know I can feel that transition when I go from, uh, me sitting here in my office, yabbing my mouth off to Andy, (laughs) <laughs> and then like a pursuit, like a, uh, I'll just, uh, you know, it's like a kill mode. You know what I mean? You get into it and, and it just, it's in you. It's a, it's a switch in your head and all of a sudden you're a predator and you're hunting and that's in every person. And that hasn't changed in the last hundred years. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but yeah, another thing that, sorry, take it back a notch, something that has changed in the last hundred years is land awareness mm-hmm. like oh my gosh we used to roam and hunt and be like yes look at how good that is over there let's go hunt it now you know understanding where you have to hunt is so 
huge with hunting. And it's one of the biggest parts of it, right? Like you can't just be like, I'm going hunting, find the nearest spring, find the nearest deer to that spring, shoot that deer. It's like, now you have to figure out what zone it is, what tag you need to get, how hard that tag is to draw. If you can hunt public land or private, if it's BLM or national forest, if it's, you know, you have to figure out all this different um, kind of book work before we can even go hunting. And where it used to just be 100% animalistic, now it's a whole lot more um, in depth and in tune with like uh, actually figuring out where to start, where to step out of your truck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or step off your horse if we're talking 100 years ago language. Right. Well, something, something that I like that you brought up. <clears throat> excuse me is um if a guy pays for a guided hunt right or say he gets the Ponsagant mm-hmm. tag or you know the utah whatever tag that goes for four or five hundred thousand dollars a year right so mm-hmm. this guy worked his entire life or you know worked his tail off forever in order to get enough money to be able to be in the running for the auction of that tag because it goes at such a high dollar value. Yeah. 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 And now they're paying a guided an outfitter who knows the area who's, who does have the time to put in as to where the person who probably has that kind of money, they don't have the time to put in to go set trail cameras or go do anything in the field in order to, have a successful hunt because their yeah. entire life is yeah. wrapped up in making the amount of money that it costs to get that tag <laughs> as to where, For sure. you know, a DIY guy, he might have the ability to work a nine to five and get a, and wait and get a limited entry tag or even a general tag and put some time in the field and some boots on the ground because he's got that extra eight hours in a day or 10 hours in a day or, or weekends, you know, and, and I'm not saying that one lifestyle is better than the other or worse than the other, but I, I, I like you. That was a very solid point and a very valid point that you brought up. But I'll tell you what too, like, um, I talk to a lot of these guys and I do a lot of those hunts, you Mm -hmm. know, high dollar, like governor's tag type hunts. Uh, very fortunate to be in that position. Um, you wouldn't believe the line of questions, how they line the questions up and how they drop the questions and how they keep on to you through the process. I mean, talk about an, an, an intense, you know, like an intense setup. They're like, okay, that's a lot of money. I'm going to be buying the tag. What's, what's there? How are you going to do it? What's the process you're going to do? Is that the best process? Are you sure that many people... Are you sure this? Are you sure that? Are you sure this? And, and they run you through the ringers. They're smart individuals that have been in the position to go out and hunt DIY on their own in the mountains. So they know the process, and now they're making sure that who they're hiring is doing it the best possible way just because they're not there next to you uh, every step. most A lot of them are, believe it or not, but um, you know if they're not there every single step, you know um, – they they emotionally went through those steps, or, or not emotionally. Um, in their head, they thought through that process and gone through those steps ten thousand times, right? 
Mm -hmm. the the mental is still a lot the same for sure well not to mention i didn't even think you asked a question but yeah the well the also the money that gets raised off of these tags you know whether it's a governor's tag for sheep or a governor's tag for deer it's all fundraiser money it all goes back to the wildlife it does you know. It does, and um, and <laughs> that's so overlooked and underappreciated. Uh, I I don't know if anybody. I mean, I, I'm not in a room. I, if I was in a room of people, I'd ask who's tried to raise money for you know the good of anything, and and raising. Um, Oh, shoot. Sorry. Uh, And raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for any benefit is extremely challenging. And you have to really, really think through a lot of steps and a lot of processes for it. But like in California, 100 percent of that money goes gets dumped back into the wildlife. And so now you have, uh, you know, let's just round it off and say one hundred thousand dollars for for some crazy goo goo wah wah tag. the state gets a hundred thousand dollars. Well, now that's um, hundred thousand dollars raised for the wildlife that'll get dumped back into the wildlife and nothing else. You know, like that's a lot of money and that's really hard to raise. Yeah, like that's a lot of freaking uh, car washes. You know, well, spaghetti dinners. Something, something, and I'm just gonna keep riding in on this that you're talking about. And so I've I've worked hand in hand with a numerous amount of charities and nonprofit organizations since, mm-hmm. you know, let's go all the way back, probably 2008, maybe even earlier than that. And yeah, I can say, and especially when you're trying to raise money and you're trying to have other people throw down money for a quote-unquote good cause, whatever you deem a good cause, it's mm-hmm. damn near impossible to get people to throw down $25, let alone $100,000 or $200,000 oh, right. or $48,000 or $18,000, you know, or, you know, 4200 mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's people do not want to spend their money on charity. And that's and I've worked with a lot of really good charities and I've worked with a lot of really good people where 98 cents of every dollar goes directly back to whatever their cause is. And I've gone to people asking for charitable donations or trying to raise money and people are just reluctant. They don't want to, they don't want to spend their hard earned money even though it's a charitable donation and they can write it off at the end of the year, they don't want to spend their hard-earned money on, you know, whatever cause that it may be. And it, it's it's like, it's pissed yeah. me off in the past big time, you know, because it's, it's a lot of work to raise charity money. It's a lot of work to raise charity money. Oh, man, isn't it ever? Yeah. Isn't it ever? It's great. I mean, like... I just scribbled as we were talking, you know, like this year already, and, and there's still a lot of tags to sell in the state of California. Um, we're right around $350,000 this year raised. How cool is that? Yeah. 
for the wildlife. And then, and that's not including, you know, like all the nonprofit foundations within the state of California that are, you know, aiding in wildlife conservation that are putting on their banquets. That's, that's strictly just the specialty tags. You know, that's not the ammo tax. Just that's auction items. A bunch of other things that are going. Just the auction items. $350,000 in a year is not done. <laughs> We're going to hit freaking 420, 430, 420. You know what I mean? For sure. Like, like that's unreal. You know what I mean? Half a million dollars. Uh, it, it, and once you start spending money, you realize that how far that can go. Yeah. You know? Now, I can't help any huge ginormous problems but um that's i mean that's a lot of money man and but it's a start and but what's crazy is that money's not there if we don't have governor's tag yeah auction tag that's not there that money goes away now uh they do raffles as well in the state of california yeah with no max right you can do as many as you want but those top out again around fifty to sixty thousand dollars a piece when the auction tags don't max out like that they'll go up a lot more than that at times so. yeah but there's still chances for everybody to draw you know buy a raffle ticket and you can have a chance to go hunt something special so well it's, it's still I mean, getting it, everybody a chance it's just really amazing and also so let's say if everybody who's anti-hunting got their way and all the hunters went away and hunting went away in the state of California. That's mm-hmm. a lot of money that's not going to be getting dumped back into wildlife, man. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And we need it. Yeah. <laughs> we really need it. Absolutely. Nobody else is going to step up. Absolutely. So. Well, and I then mean, on top of that, just, just random people, you know, the same people that are buying those auction tags are really love what we're doing and love hunting and love the animals and love the wildlife and they just drop ridiculous amounts of money like a sheep show yeah right yeah i have you talked about that dollar amount that was dropped or not no i haven't at all so uh correct me if i'm wrong it was somebody just randomly gave half a million dollars right oh yeah it was oh it was a uh, opening of the was that the thursday night dinner or wednesday night yeah opening of one remember. of the dinners guy just walked yeah. up and handed the check anonymously Unreal. $500,000. And I think wasn't, I can't remember what the total was, but I want to say it was somewhere upwards of like $3.2 million or something was raised in the entire weekend of Sheep Show. Yeah. I can't remember off the top it of my head. It's not handy for Bighorn Sheep, right? Yeah. Well, and then, um, so you look at that, you take that, and let's just talk about the, the governor's tag for California, I think went for 140 or 160 for sheep. And we're having problems right now and huge die-offs in Southern California. Mm-hmm. How much will that money yeah. be able to help and benefit that sheep population? Oh, huge. You know what I huge. mean? Huge. And, and not just California, too. Like, it, when you're talking disease, I don't know if this is getting sidetracked, but when you're talking disease, uh, every time that a biologist goes out and leaves their office and goes and tries to stop figure out monitor disease you're getting information for the species in general right and so you're not just helping california the research that our biologists are gathering from the money that the 
you know, the auction tag uh, or the fundraiser tag, whatever you want to call it, the fundraiser tag earned, the money that they earned with that fundraiser tag doesn't just get pigeonholed into California because they're doing disease research and everything else. And that's helping bighorn sheep as a general population, right? Everybody, everywhere. Yeah. You know, Mexico, Canada, every state that has wild sheep, like, you know, California's helping them this year, right? Yeah. Because we have a disease and what we're learning now is, you know, but that was, again, a large amount of that's going to be paid for by the fundraising tag. So, and yeah, you know, that individual's probably going to shoot a gigantic ram and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And not only did he have an incredible hunt and shot a giant ram, um, but, you know, everybody's benefiting from disease research on, you know, desert sheep. So pretty cool. It's pretty, that's a, pretty that's cool. a win-win right there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about habitat fragmentation. Mm. What do you mean? Let's talk about. Uh, the further and further that we go into wildlife areas, the further and further we're building houses back in the mountains, and the further and further that all these, uh, I mean, I don't want to say new places, but places are being inhabited by humans, Urbanization? Right? Yeah, urbanization. Yeah. So, um, Urbanization is why the word conservation exists. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think the word conservation was needed before urbanization. Right? Why is that? Um, now I'll just I'll just touch on on a couple basics really quick. Um, you have a nature conservancy, and you have a nature preserve. Now, would you? It, 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 the big the the difference there is going back to what you uh, used as habitat fragmentation. So before habitat fragmentation or urbanization, uh, preservation was the world. We it was preserved. It was unmolested and it was uh, untouched. Uh huh. Now we touched it. We went and we went to the most beautiful places. We went to the richest water sources. We went to the richest soils. We went to the best places to live on our entire planet and we covered it in houses and we're living there. So what did we do? We pushed the wildlife into less desirable places to live, into smaller living conditions, into smaller ecosystems and uh, more confined areas. Mm -hmm. Well, what that did is now um, conservation is the act of like aiding in enhancing um, wildlife and ecosystems. Habitat right? sustainability. It, yes, it's our hand in that, yeah. right, is conservation. Now, um, conservation had to start and it didn't start when we started urbanizing any place that wildlife live uh, because now we've affected it. And for every action, there's a reaction. 
Mm-hmm. So now we have to kind of combat those reactions and then, and conservation is never a set thing. Like let's set this wildlife conservancy up, this nature conservancy. And then bang, we, uh, we till up some land to get some richer feed every year. We have some water sources in some really cool spots. Wow. Look what we've done. This is great. Well now all of a sudden, since that grass is greener, elk moved in where there was never elk before, pushing the mule deer that are native out. The mule deer start dying off because they're pushed to higher elevations or whatever else, and they're not able to winter where they're normally wintering, so we start losing mule deer. Well, now it's like, okay, we need to take some some elk numbers down. So then you kind of start, it's this constant reaction, uh, you know, to your your initial actions, right? Mm-hmm. But And that's conservation. But now let's take that same problem and let's take uh, a simple-minded person who says, well, we shouldn't have gone and tilled up that land and gave them water in the first place, which is preservation. We should preserve an area and untouch it, right? Mm-hmm. And let nature do its thing. Well, we've already affected everything, right? We've already pushed the mule deer. We've already taken the best water sources. We've polluted other ones. We've uh, put the most beautiful house you've ever seen in your life right in the middle of the best grazing ground. We've mowed down uh, a great bedding area for elk because now that's where this quadro goes through. Um, <laughs> my biggest thing that people that my biggest thing that people don't realize is such a huge problem are hiking trails. Nature walks. Animals don't like people, and and when they're living around people. It affects them. It affects how they live. It it affects their gestation. It affects their, you know, when they when they breed. It affects when they don't breed. It affects their um, reaction to predators. Well, like fawning you grounds. going you going out and walking in the mountains is is doing just as much harm as any other thing to the wildlife. Now, um, when done in mass amounts, right? It's like this is the hiking trail. You're coming up to elk flats and you look out and there's a bunch of elk there like we're really causing some trouble here it's not all bad as long as we're doing conservation the second we block that off and call it preservation we're going to have some serious problems and we're going to have big die-offs and we're going to have animals that aren't living in the places that they should now places uh where preservation is practiced that isn't the end of the world is when we had a long time ago before urbanization got as big as it is now, we took the best land and we drew a circle around some of it and said, we'll make this a national park. Mm -hmm. You know, a national park is the most beautiful place and we've tried really hard to not affect it. Yeah. Right. And it works kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. You would, there's still so much conservation that goes on in national parks. It's ridiculous. So I guess it's not even preservation. We're still conserving that area. We just can't hunt it. You know what I mean? Well, but um, so, something that we, we still have our hands in every little thing that's going on because we have to, right? Well, something that you're bringing up too, and you know, it's playing God with nature, and and you know, what catastrophes happen after we play God with nature, and a really, and I'm sure that I'll catch some sort of blowback for this, but a really good place to bring up where we played complete God with nature's Yellowstone national park. And Mm -hmm. we went in 
and we said that, you know, this, how many ever million acres, this is, this is a national park. This is untouchable. And then the park service went in after that and the park service killed all of the predators that were in the area. Mm-hmm. Killed the bears, killed the wolves, killed the mountain lions, killed the lynx, killed the wolverines, killed, went through and just killed everything. Mm-hmm. And then they followed up with, oh, well, now we're going to go down to Colorado and we're going to load freight cars on trains up with Rocky Mountain Elk. And they just started mm-hmm. bringing in freight car after freight car of elk. And, and allowing the elk to go in, right? And the elk had gotten yeah. so bad that it was just destroying all of the habitat. You know, erosion problems. Everything sure. was getting torn apart and torn to pieces because the herds of elk, they weren't sustainable for the amount of land that they're staying in. You know, so for it's... For sure. And it's, it's, it's just so funny that we think that when we play God with nature, this is the way that it's supposed to be. And it's not. At all. No. Ever. No. no. Well, and we'll, and we'll never, like, you know, I take, I take it, you know, people talk about how many sheep we had in the late 1800s in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we allowed them to migrate and we, we didn't, like, now we have giant freeways that, yeah, we still get some sheep that cross over them, but not the mass numbers that we used to, right? Like sheep used to look desert sheep. There's not a lot of water in the desert. They used to look over to the next mountain range over and see that it's raining and go over and drink out of the Tanahas and eat the grass. Mm-hmm. And then they'd go to the next range and they'd go to the next range. And the numbers were super high. Well, now what we have is we have this dream and this want and desire to have as many sheep as we had in the 1800s. Um, and so now to try and get those numbers, like we have to freaking put a bunch of waters, we have to do, um, a bunch of work to try and make sure that, uh, we're kind of artificially giving them the living conditions that they need because we originally went and messed it up. So we are playing God for the sheep to try and get more numbers. Um, but if we want the sheep, we have to do that because we've gone and messed it up just enough to pretty much say that if we weren't conserving wildlife to this day, there would be none left. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If we were practicing preservation, there would be nothing. And if you want to go back to preservation, you know, the crazy person who says we need to go back to it, you know, they need to take the first sip of poison. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can't be here. We can't have the cities uh, if we want to go back to that, you know? Yeah. But. Yeah, I don't know how sidetracked I got there. No, that's fine. That's totally fine. So, with you know, I mean, obviously, we're talking a lot about sheep because you know a lot about you. That's kind of your specialty, you know. But what we also we were talking about outfitters and trophy deer, uh, trophy sheep, trophy elk, trophy animals in general, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, animals that that make the book. For sure. You know, so a lot lately, and it's 
it's laughable to me. But at the same time, I think us as hunters, we could do a better part or play a better role in this. But in trophy hunting and, and just in hunting in general, you know, there's always the quote-unquote grip and grin photo, right? And the, mm-hmm. and the, there's so many people that are playing political cards to this or maybe pandering to political audiences with the grip and grin, you know, and... and trying to i don't want to say do away with it but in a sense yeah try to do away with the grip and grin because maybe it's not in my opinion it's not fitting a specific political ideology or a you know quoted you know opinion of what respecting the animal might be or or something like you know so so we uh real quick yeah um I'll put that into question and then I'll answer it. Uh, <laughs> Get it. Is the grip and grin good? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Should it stick, you know, uh, should we do away with it? Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. Should we do away with the grip and grin? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I don't think we should. I think it's, I think it's important. Um, I, I touched on it earlier on, uh, what hunting does uh, for a person when they're out there. And if it's not a challenge uh, beyond what you can imagine outside of hunting, if it doesn't drive you and, and get all of your focus to be successful and, and, and push you and, and make blood, sweat, and tears, it was, if it didn't do that, it was a huge blessing and you were super lucky either way. There's an incredible story to be told about that behind the grip and grip. Now, so in general, I'm just talking, Yeah, I'll get to the grip and grin in a second. Just in general, like, like you just accomplished something. You were either, you essentially won the lottery or, you started a successful business like that's the feelings that you go through and that's why a lot of very very successful businessmen hunt because it's the same feeling as starting a successful business anyway there's nothing better um a summary that you wrote in elementary school of a book what is it it's a general outline of everything that was in the book uh, it could be reiterated as um, a summary is a you know a quick sum up of everything you accomplished mm-hmm. right what better to do that than you the person who was successful and pushed themselves sitting behind the animal that pushed them and all of that is captured in one frame bang here's the story what happened where it happened, what was going on, when it happened, how he felt, everything should be captured in one picture, and it's a grip and grin. Now, how that grip and grin is used should be monitored and should not monitored, that's a weird word, but <laughs> should be um, consciously thought of uh, realizing there's people out there that don't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. They haven't been in there. They don't understand that. Now, 
uh, you, you, uh, we, we never even talked about who I am or anything, but, um, <laughs> the, like if you were to go on Kika, which is the outfit that we have, um, if you were to go on our Instagram and look at our pictures, um, I do Griffin grins. They're there. But what the reason I do that is because I know what went into that to make that happen. And I know uh, how important that is for the guy to say, like, I did that. Like, oh, my gosh, I was pushed. You know what I mean? And he's there and his animal's there and they're both there together. And you can see the entire animal and you can see the weather and you can see who it was and everything that went on. But also, I have hundreds of pictures that tell the story of why we're doing it, where we're doing it, the process, everything. But I'll tell you, if if you just if if you were to say, you know, grip and grins are bad, and all we do is is show pictures of the process, it's like, well, yeah, you have this incredible process that's life changing, but what are we working towards? You know what I mean? It's like, are you going to go? Uh, are you going to go to work and and not be able to go home at the end of the day and say, "Look what I accomplished"? <laughs> like, that's a crappy way to make a living. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, you know, um, it's a way to look back at what you've accomplished. What? And that's the gripping grin. So uh, now I have. If, if, if anybody's been out with me, I'm very like, I'm very. Uh, touchy about a picture with an animal like uh, there's a lot of things that I don't like uh, personally um, and you'll see a lot of pictures on my website or Instagram or something with this and everybody who guides for me knows that it's always a hassle to get me to do this but like the state of California wants you to have the tag on the animal first thing you do when you get to the animal you fill out the tag and you tag the animal well, when it's time to take pictures, I don't like showing the tag because it's saying, look what I killed. I don't know. It just feels like it has that feeling. Same thing with a rifle or a bow. It also tells a story. So I understand that part of it. But I hate saying, like, this is mine and I killed it. You yeah. know what I mean? I like to say, this is who did it. This is what we did and what we accomplished. Right. Um and, you know, a lot of times, yeah, we're kind of badasses for doing it because it was really freaking hard, <laughs> right? Well, um, somebody... but, but I think it also has to be coupled with the right mindset, where you're doing it, how you're doing it, what your mindset is in, in doing it, and then telling the story behind it. And you're, And with that, you're bringing up a really good point, right? Explaining the detail, right? The detail behind the picture and now this is – I'm just thinking of this right now, right? And mm-hmm. That's dangerous, but it's not dangerous at the same time. So we're coming out of this era of years of any publicized grip and grin photo that anybody would see was going to be in Outdoor Life maybe. It was going to be in Outdoorsman's or East End Hunting Magazine it was going to be in a hunting magazine and it was going to have the entire story along with three, four, five photos of the hunt. Yeah. And now yeah. what we're seeing is a flood of everybody's grip and grin 
across social media with no identification on the story, you know, and, and, and I'm not faulting people f- for oh, just posting. You know, I, go ahead. You go on. No, 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 go. No, I was just going to say, and that's exactly why I like talking to people and talking through things because you just brought up something I never even thought about, you know, before, uh, if you didn't want to see dead animals, you just didn't go and grab the field industry yeah. magazine at the airport. You just didn't grab it. And it was fine. But now, freaking floating around social media, like for everybody's business, it can be portrayed wrong. Right? Yeah. Um, but but again, it's why, like, it's, it's, it's a moment captured in time with what you worked hard for. So it can't go away. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's a lot of people that are soft, but they don't need to be anything but soft because that's not how they were born or how they were raised. Yeah. Right? Like, there are weak people. You know, now we give them a longer life with modern medicine. Well, we but, pander them. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> tend to them. But, you know, there are weak people, and that doesn't mean that, um, you know, I... We, we just can't change that. Like that's one spot that we can't give um, because, uh, you know, maybe uh, in people's more public, you know, more public figures, it's going to be harder to post that stuff. But as far as taking them and having them and being proud of them, I think that's important yeah. and not necessarily important, but it, it uh, shouldn't go away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's something in a hundred years where we say, what hasn't changed in the last hundred years? Absolutely. Well, we still sit behind our animals and we smile because it was an accomplishment. Right. Well, so, and I'm looking at my computer screen right here in front of me and you know, there's a picture of you, Jason and cash with Goliath. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean that I, I don't, I don't have words that can describe that photo. Yeah. I'm going to write a book someday about uh that ram and that hunt but not just that and and well the thing is and the reason is is because you can look at that you can look at that one trophy picture and it's a grip and grin and you go from left or you go from right to left jason harrison uh, an iconic man in the industry uh worked hard saved his money his company was geared towards the mountain hunter and that was the moment that he stinking shot his grand slam ram you know he did what every mountain hunter like it's their pinnacle right yeah and that is the guy who did it and then you go to his son you know right next to him that was there and is understanding it and is learning it and then you go to me, which spent, you know, four years of my life chasing my wife when she was pregnant. Yeah. And, you know, I had a child when I was chasing that ram and I would spend 30 days in the desert and I had uh, life changing things happen to me on that hunt. But here we are sitting behind a ram on the top of a mountain. And luckily you can't see that there's tears in our eyes, but we all know that we there was and we were there and we were doing it mm-hmm. and uh and without that picture you couldn't see all of that right yeah you can't see the ram and what he looked like and you can't see jason uh 
you know, and you can't see cash and you can't see me. Like you can't, without the grip and grin, that's not there, you know, and it needs to be there and it doesn't need to be in people's faces, but you need it. Right. Yeah. I think. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I agree completely, which is, I've been, I've been trying to talk about it and get a better understanding, um, with anybody that I come across that I feel like having this conversation with about the grip and grin, you know, and, and I really like what we talked about and kind of talking about how there's such, there's so much more accessibility to hunting photos today than there used to be. Mm. And it used to be, if you didn't want to see a hunting photo, you didn't pick up a hunting magazine or you didn't go to a hunting channel on the television or anything like that, you know, and, and now, yeah, everything and everybody and individuals are so accessible you know there's people that won't post about hunting on any of their social media stuff because what might happen or you know what i mean for for whatever reason but that's That's understandable that's that's reality that's the reality we live in yeah for sure and you give and you go into a place where hunters are it's a hunter's platform and, and those guys aren't bashful to show their pictures. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's just to the general public, the people who wouldn't have bought field and stream and turned to OLN, you know, in the nineties, they, they, uh, you know, they're still not having to look at a dead animal on their friend's page. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's understandable. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to rub it in everybody's face. You know. But yeah. you still need to freaking be proud of what you did because that's shit's hard. Sorry, I don't even curse that much, but no, it's okay. Feeling your get after it, feel it out. <laughs> yeah, feel it yeah. out. Man, that was a good one right there. I was feeling it. Sorry. No, I, <laughs> I mean that's you know that's part of what this is about, you know, and yeah, really diving sure. into it. You know, so for sure, let's talk a little bit about the difference between paid guide hunting and DIY hunting. Well, we kind of touched on a lot of that earlier. We did, Uh, huh? But uh, yeah, I I would say if I was to just say the biggest difference in general Mm -hmm. is one man's I mean we kind of talked about all of it yeah I would just kind of be repeating myself or yourself yeah right. um, but uh, the, the, like I said too a, a huge thing is a DIY hunter um, we're all DIY hunters every guy who hires guides is a DIY hunter every guide is a DIY hunter everybody's DIY hunted yeah. just because you're paying for a hunt on one of them like doesn't mean that you're not a DIY hunter. We're all DIY hunters. Right. It's just we don't always do that. That's not the only practice that we do. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. Well, I think everybody's a DIY hunter. It's just how much you do it. And does how much you do it define you? For a lot of guides but that anyway. are guiding on public land, how much do-it-yourself effort does it take to get on those animals in public land? Oh, it's ridiculous. Um, because there's a whole nother 
side, like when you're a guide, um, that I think is a big challenge. And that's the, um, the, uh, sorry, let me rephrase this. I think personally, it's easier for me to guide somebody or find a big animal when I'm finding it for someone else than finding it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say all my guides are the same way mm-hmm. because all of a sudden now, not only are you doing what you you love and you're passionate about and trying to figure it out, but there's this sense of like, we have to do this when you're doing it for somebody else and you've, and you've told somebody else that you can do it and that you're going to work hard in doing so. Mm-hmm. So like, it's amazing. There's very few hunters out there that do it themselves. Brendan Burns is one of them, mm-hmm. um, that goes so hard, even if you're by yourself, um, to, to, to shoot the biggest animal or, or hunt hardest and shoot the oldest animal in the mountain range or whatever you're after. Right. Like yeah. shoot a legal buck in a lot of places. Like, um, you know, if you're guiding for somebody to get them a legal buck in a hard place or guiding to shoot the oldest ram or guiding to shoot the biggest elk, whatever you're doing, uh, it's a lot easier to work really, really hard at it when you're guiding than it is doing it by yourself. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's just harder to get out of bed and it's harder, it's harder to do 14 hours a day. It's harder to, uh, you know, do a six stage hunt to get into a spot you know it takes you six days to get to a spot where you're gonna glass one ridge because you know that's the best ridge you know people do it all the time but uh there's also a reason people hire outfitters when they want to shoot some animals too right right so So would you consider yourself a trophy hunter yeah yeah (laughs) that's (laughs) such a broad term i think everybody is yeah um I think, I think, uh, I touched on this earlier. I think doing anything, uh, with no reward, you know, you know, um, I think of trophy as like a trophy, right? Something you get for achieving something, Mm -hmm. right? Is a trophy or an award. Um, everybody's trying to do that. You know, um, everybody's trying to accomplish something and be successful and get a trophy. Um, now, uh, so I just kind of took it out of context a little bit. Uh, I'll be real and talk, okay, trophy hunting, um, that has like a, its own definition, uh, where, um, I'll just kind of say like how I would think of the general public looking at trophy hunting, um, hunting for something strictly for what's on its head, right? Mm-hmm or strictly for its trophy size or like the size of its horns or whatever. Me personally, I am not, uh, interested or really care about what the size is of an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like finding 
the biggest animal in any given location, right? Yeah. And then that's a huge challenge. And then finding it and getting it are is a whole nother stage, right? And it's just a, it's, it's kind of like a mastery, the, the mindset behind it. And this might be just because I'm a guide or outfitter, I don't know. But um, the, the, the accomplishment of find, kind of understanding what's there and then getting one specific of what's there is, a, is an accomplishment. And it's kind of like trophy, you know what I mean? Like if you want to say you want to shoot the oldest ram somewhere, or the old, I say rams all the time. Can you tell I hunt a lot of sheep? Anyway, um, <laughs> if you want to shoot the oldest elk somewhere, like you're still going to pick through it and you're still going to essentially trophy hunt for that one. You're going to target that one specific animal. Um, but as far as like a guy who just wants to go out and shoot an animal and not eat the meat, um, again, you come right back to First off, it's in every person's blood to hunt. It's 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 the most human, most instinctual thing like you can experience besides freaking loving, having emotion, being thirsty, being hungry, like freaking whatever. Hunting is one of those things. Like it actually is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's like learning to walk. It's, it's something that you have to do and it's in your body. And anyway, so people have to hunt. And when a guy realizes that and really enjoys it and takes pride in that, and he challenges himself to go out and hunt, um, and then further challenge himself. Also human nature is ego. It's always been there, always will be there. Um, to me, it's not really there in that aspect. I'm a huge, the challenge is my ego. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I like a challenging hunt, not necessarily what we got, but how we got it. Um, uh, but I'm big on that actually. Like that's where I really enjoy, like, you know, the story. That's why I'm, yeah, yeah. But, but again, that's a little bit of ego, right? Yeah. And so, uh, it's, it's illegal to leave meat. It's illegal for that meat not to be eaten. Want and um, waste. It's want waste. And we're not talking about poaching. We're talking about trophy hunting. So here you have a guy who goes out, who enjoys hunting, who loves hunting, who has his own distinct goals, right? He goes and he completes his goals and that meat is still used. And he was able to live out like the most human thing ever and harvest the meat for somebody else. And he likes the heck out of somebody else eating that meat. I promise you that. Right? It might not be him, but he's happy that it's there and somebody's eating it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He was there for the experience of the hunt and to achieve something that he can be proud of. But that meat is still being used and it's being enjoyed and he likes that aspect of it. Right? Um, I don't even know if that makes sense, what I just said. But yeah, it does. It's, I was just talking off my fist of cuffs. I, I got it. I, I got what you're throwing down. So, yeah. as a guide and an outfitter, Kika, how do mm -hmm. you feel like, or better put, what do you feel like you're contributing 
to change the outfitting industry? Well, um, uh, man. Um, so I've gotten that a few times that we've, that were, um, I think of, um, Robbie, Rob, Robbie at blood origins. Mm -hmm. Um, he said, Oh man, you guys are redefining the, you know, the outfitting industry. Um, but what that just, uh, like the only thing that we are doing different, um, is, uh, uh, I mean, I guess what, what is it that we're doing? You know, we're taking hunters, um, to give them an experience that'll last the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, my business isn't, um, claiming other people's stuff and, um, pumping our chests for something, um, that somebody else was able to get and accomplish and, uh, doing it properly, uh, and doing it for all the right reasons. And, and like I mentioned earlier, like, you know, I was reading the book of Proverbs this morning, but like for anybody who wants to know, like what I strive Kika to be is the book of Proverbs, right? Like, um, nothing like everything that we're doing should be helping. And, and, um, like I'll, I'll take this for instance, you know, like in this, uh, might be insight for even some of my guides to help them understand some of my weird quirkiness when we're hunting. Um, uh, I don't allow anybody to put a Kika logo on any pictures that we take and mm -hmm. send out, um, like a watermark for one, um, nothing in that picture is ours, right? It's none of it is our doing like, uh, it's, it's the hunter's animal. It's, his story it's him sitting behind his animal or the crew that helped him do so which is our crew um it's it's him hiking it's it's the animal it's him it's not us and our business is to help that person succeed and to help that person achieve what they were looking for with the once in a lifetime tag or an expensive tag or whatever else it has nothing to do with us yeah it was our it was our our job and our pleasure to help him succeed with that. But I'm not going to use that man's accomplishments and our work in helping him do so. I'm not going to use that as a marketing tool, right? Like I'll market somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but I think, I hope that that is seen, right? Yeah. I know, I know people just think that I'm not good at marketing in that way. Like, Oh, you know, Jake, your picture is everywhere and there's no Kika logo and nobody knows what Kika is, but everybody's seen the picture of Goliath. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, especially now, like that wasn't my ramp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I worked my ass off for it, but that was what I was supposed to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when the next one comes around, I'm going to do the same thing. And if I'm successful in doing so, 
that's great. I don't need my freaking business logo plastered on something for everybody else to know who did it. Like, uh, it, let's go back to the grip and grin. Yeah. Like I said, grip and grins are important, but it's it it comes back to how it's portrayed and how it's put forward. Like, what's the purpose of it? Yeah. Is the grip and grin to make your your company more successful and to make people think that you're a bigger badass? Yeah. You know, it's like no, it's to it's to freaking show what Jason accomplished with Cash sitting next to him, right? Yeah, like that's what it's for, you know. Uh, but but hopefully. Uh, little things like that can help uh, or little things like that can enrich the outfitting industry to where um, we're thinking uh, all, all along the right lines of what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Right. As outfitters. Um, that's just like a little tiny piece. Um, also, you know, um, donation, donating your time, donating your energy, um, wherever you can for the betterment of both the wildlife and our industry. Yeah. You know, well, uh, I try and do as much of that as humanly possible. And, uh, another part is, um, again, just making, making your outfit about the hunts that you do, not who's doing the hunts. Yeah. Right. Well, something um, you brought up when you first started, you know, was really trying to pack in everything that you can. And what it really made me think of in my head is the St. Francis prayer. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, packing. Why can't I remember it off the top of my head? Dude, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> if that makes you feel any better. Uh, it's. It's it's awesome. Here, let me. I got it sitting here, right here on a card. Uh, Lord, make me the channel of Thy peace. That where there is hatred, I may bring love. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. That where there is discord, I may bring harmony. That where there is error, I may bring truth. That where there is doubt, I may bring faith. That where there is despair, I may bring hope. That where there are shadows, I may bring light. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. O Divine Master, grant me that I may not so much seek to be cons- to seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is for it is in giving that we receive. It is in the the pardoning that we are pardoned and it is in the dying that we are born to eternal life and that's to me that's kind of like a a way i like to start i don't want to say i start every day with that but there's there's some there's some months where i i start every day with that and there's some months where i fall short and i don't but for sure really for me what that's saying is that I need to pack as much into life selflessly as I can every single mm-hmm. day. Right? Yeah. You know, and, and for sure. You know, to to 
instead of running around and always saying, you know, the sky is falling and looking, look at what's happening to me or, or, you know, this is problematic, you know, instead of running around parading my problems, you know, be there for someone else and for someone else's problems and, and be there to be someone else's solution. Right. Absolutely. And that's the, trying to loop this back a little bit yeah and that's what outfitting is right we're yeah. just helping somebody achieve what they're trying to do and when you're helping somebody um <laughs> i don't necessarily like you have to be really careful on how you advertise that yeah right and how absolutely because you you're helping somebody it's a service you know what i mean so it's careful another thing i thought of just a second ago uh all right am i good to keep talking yeah keep going man you're gold <laughs> another thing i thought of was uh that people think i'm a little bit crazy for doing but i think is a, is a good stuff like it, i think it's good um is i post pictures man like what we're doing where we're camped so for outfitters mm-hmm. where you're camped i post pictures of where we're camped where we're hunting i post pictures of where we're hunting how we're hunting. I post how we're doing it. Like if anybody else is crazy enough to go on my social media and go to those places and, and try and take my spots and work as hard as we did to get that, like more power to them, man. Like good luck. You know, yeah. um, I have, I, I hunt every day with very little secrets. You know what I mean? Like if you call me and you want to talk about spots, like I'll talk about spots, but like, because it's pretty, like i don't know i just i'm not i'm not afraid i'm um another thing being everything above board you know you have 300 pages of permits on your desk at any given moment you know you're not afraid of of showing what you're doing right showing your hand like people can go on my social media and see where i hunt you know like go do it figure it out you know i'm honest Good it's luck. all there you know yeah like, I got yelled at last year, like, why are you posting pictures of elk that are alive right now? And I'm like, because why would I post pictures of elk that aren't alive right now? That's kind of deceiving, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, like, that's an elk somebody can go and shoot. That's fantastic. Good luck. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. I don't well, overdo it. I'm not, like, decimating our populations. But, like, I hope that uh, a lot of our honesty... Uh, is transparent through how we do things. Yeah. That's a huge thing with outfitting because outfitting a lot of the time, like it's a hard business to be a hundred percent with everything you do all the time. Yeah. And we really, really, really strive to be that way so we can be open and honest with absolutely everybody. Yeah. Right. So. Absolutely. So, Let's talk a little bit about the language of the hunt. You know, and... Yeah. and, and what, uh, Go ahead. Go on. <laughs> no, you go. You go, you go. No, you hang up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So The language of the hunt. Yeah, the language of the hunt. And a buddy of mine kind of breaks this stuff down, and I really like it. Um and he always kind of goes back to, and we've talked a lot about this 
throughout the entirety of this, you know, episode is the amount of days spent in the field, understanding the wildlife, you know what I mean? Being able to spot wildlife, you know, and, and how much of that is developed over time spent in the field and, and segueing into this, you can even go to what you were talking about, about you're not really worried if someone's going to go look at your Instagram or look at a spot you posted on your website or something like that, because not only do they have like, they have to know it, they have to understand it, right? <laughs> like they can't yeah. just be like, it's like somebody watching it's like somebody watching Jeff's freaking Vans video and him doing like a really cool new trick that nobody else can really comprehend at that moment. He's not worried about somebody else going and doing that trick and becoming famous for it or like doing it better than him or whatever. He's not worried about it. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, I, I did that and good luck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> More power to you if you do it. Awesome. Like that's, that's kind of our mindset on that. Um, but anyway, you're, you're sorry, distraction. No, you're good. You're talking about the language of the hunt, like days in the field, understanding wildlife, how to spot them, uh, whatever, you know. Um, the, I don't know if I said this on your podcast before or not, um, and it's like classic Jake knowledge for somebody who wants to get into hunting. Um Every day, you can be honing your hunting skills, right? Mm -hmm. And I do it constantly. Uh, if you think about being a detective all the time, you will help your hunting so much. Uh, and what I mean by that is like um, when you're driving to work in the morning and you're in traffic, um, the guy next to you almost hits you, right? Mm -hmm. look over and try and figure out why he almost hit you, right? Is he on the phone? Is he eating a sandwich? Is his right mirror broken? Are his windows too tinted? Is there something blocking his sight? Is he talking to somebody in the back seat? Oh, he has a kid on board, you know, whatever. Oh, he's hauling a trailer. He's looking at his trailer. Figure things out and why things are working a certain way that they are. Uh, and in everything you do, you walk in your house, and there's a piece of freaking trash on your floor of your house. And you you look at it and you're like, it's trash. You pick it up, you throw it away. No, how'd that trash get there? Why is it there? You know, I've been the only one in my house today. Must have fallen out of my pocket, but I wasn't wearing pants. You know what I mean? Yeah. You break it all down and you're constantly running that stuff in your head instantly, simultaneously, and trying to figure out the fastest way to find the solutions to everyday things. And all of a sudden you'll be in the mountains and you'll be like, Oh shoot, that uh, you know the uh, that deer blew out. Why did that deer blow out? Um, everything's right. The wind is right. You look over the ridge. Oh my gosh, you know there's a bear, and you're hunting bears or whatever, right? And yeah. you Just and you're constantly you'll you'll find yourself uh, helping, you know, understanding the wildlife and keeping you know, keen on your outdoors abilities by just trying to be a detective in everyday life. Yeah. Um, to keep a keen eye for wildlife, dude, you just have to go and spot game all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like you, well, you just have to do it a lot. 
That's why I spend so much time on the coast chasing those damn elk around. Yeah, like it really helps your eyes, man, just to see wildlife. Yeah. Like it doesn't even have to be hard to see them. Like you can go look at them in the zoo and it will help you because it's knowing how their bodies are shaped mm-hmm. and like knowing their bodies, how they look in different areas and positions. And that's 100% a part yeah. of spotting game. And days in the field uh, need to be equally matched with days in the map. Mm-hmm. Um. And if you're not proficient with maps, that's probably why you're not killing big animals. <laughs> <laughs> can you read a map? <laughs> yeah, can you read a map? If you can't, first off, you'll never come out hunting with me. And second, <laughs> you'll fail. Right like, on. any given time, I can reach paper maps and everything all the time. I'm a map nut. If anybody knows me, like, eh, sitting at home at night, if I have 10 minutes, I'll be, like, mapping. I was in Siberia yesterday looking at the Siberian forest. Like, just obsessed with maps and learning about places and how terrain lays out in different places and how vegetation lays on different places and and that will all help you, and then that'll help you hunt in places you've never been before. All of a sudden, it'll just click. You're like, you can look at a topo map and be like, I'm hunting this species, which acts like this. And you're looking at a piece of paper with a bunch of squiggly lines on it. And you're like, this is where I need to look first. And I need to glass from that peak right there. And I need to park right there and camp right there. And it's a two-hour hike to there. And I'm going to see probably the best animal in the mountain range. And then I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. And then 30 minutes later, I'll get a text from Josh, and he's got a pin of the same spot. And then I'll get a text from Jeff with a pin of the same spot. And then all my guides will be like, this is where we should go look. And I'm like, I love you all. This is great. <laughs> you know? And and that's, like, honestly, like, you know, it's what? It's 9 o'clock p.m. right now. Give it 40 minutes, and I'll have a pin from somebody of a cool-ass place to hunt tonight, every night. Really? Like, that's that's how obsessed you have to be with your maps. Yeah. Um, anyway, I got into that for some reason. That's okay. That's that's why we're doing this. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about a little bit and about trusting met- the process. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, 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 yeah, for sure. What were you, you going to say? I'm, I'm done with that. Oh, okay. Rant end. Last part. Yeah, rant end. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about trusting the process, man. In uh, in what aspect? Life in general um, or hunting or both? You know what? With with the amount that we've talked about hunting and, and the mental strength and toughness kind of that goes goes into the field, Let's let's talk about... Yeah trusting the process in hunting and how it relates into everyday life. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I'll just use like a, a, a couple hunting like analogies, I guess it would be, um, how it relates, uh, to everyday life. Um, when we're, um, when we're trying to achieve something, right? 
um, in life mm-hmm. or when we're trying to shoot a deer or a sheep or whatever else, um, the first thing we do is we sit down and try and make a, a quick plan on how to make that happen. The first thing that we know going into that plan is you have to be extremely flexible in how you pursue that animal, right? Um, things are going to happen. You're going to spook deer you didn't see. You're going to miscalculate by a thousand vertical feet and you're going to be sweating and you're going to fall off a little cliff and you're going to whatever else, you know, there's going to be a hundred different challenges. And and another thing, you can't go straight at it, right? You can't just walk straight at the deer. Mm -hmm. You might not see that deer for like three or four hours before getting back around to where the wind is right. Then you can stalk them again. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have to be so flexible in all those different stages. Well, now let's turn that to real life. Right. Um, we're trying to achieve our goal. Uh, uh, say it's, you want to be, uh, you want to have your own business that makes freaking sofa cushions, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not just going to go and make sofa cushions. You know, you can't do that. Like sometimes it takes going into, um, a backpack making company and doing this and doing that and going so far out of, you know, going so far around that you can't even see your original goal, but you know you're still aimed at that goal, but you are so far left field, you know, to make sure the wind is right before you go in, you know, and then once you can, you come around and the wind is right and everything's right and you're comfortable in your living conditions and everything's perfect for you to go in for the final stock, then you can finally then go and make the final stock and complete your goal, right? But hunting gives us that, in absolutely every way, every hunt that we do, we can relate it to life lessons, right? And and that's all. So all I've done is hunt, and I feel like I have a fairly good grasp of uh, a lot of life lessons. And it's just because you take a step back and look at a hunt differently, and how we can relate it into our regular life, and how we can relate our regular life into our hunts, right? Um, but. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think that was a little bit of a different direction than you're wanting to go. No, that's good. But I think, yeah, that's good. Um, but uh, no, to, to to for me to go out and to go hunting and to um, trust the process, I guess to say, in hunting and in life, um, you have to just do that. You have to trust the process. You have to wake up every morning. And, and make sure your intentions are right and you're doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing the right thing, um, it's bound to come around. It's, and I, and I, I tell we, Jeff and I talk about that a lot, Kate and I talk about that a lot. Josh and I talk about that a lot. It's, it's, this is the right thing, right? We're doing good. We're doing the right thing in this thing that we're doing at this current time, the right thing is what we're doing. You know? Yes. Yes. Okay. Flip it around. Look at it backwards. Yes. This is the right thing. Then let's do it. And let's not be afraid of doing it. And let's go straight out its throat. Yeah. And because we know it's right, you know, and, uh, I'll tell you what, you'll be tested and tried a million times, you know? Um, and as long as you know what you're doing is right, just keep doing it and don't give up because, don't it quit before happen. the miracle happens. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. You know, it's it's going to happen. And if it doesn't, you know, the right thing didn't happen. And the bad guy won, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the way you got to look at it. So, like, And then at least you can say you fought fighting the right fight, right? Yeah. Well, so for you to be able to gain this mentality, do you have a morning routine? Do you, is there like stuff you do every morning? I know you were talking about re, uh, reading, you know, but is there is yeah. there anything that you do every morning that just is like, this is my game face, you know, for me, it's like, I'll lay, you know, I'll, I'll lay down, I'll focus on what's, what's ahead of me for the day. I'll have a cup of coffee in silence in the pitch black you know, with me and my thoughts and nothing else. Is there any, uh, I'll is, give you two, I'll give you two different Jake's right now. Okay. Yeah. There's a, in the field hunting, managing, maybe multiple different hunting camps, definitely multiple different guides, uh, cooks, camps, everything. And we have to go and we have to, uh, attempt to be the best outdoorsmen we could possibly be and have a crew that works together and follows the laws and really whoops ass every day. So that Jake, I wake up every morning and I stretch and have my cup of coffee. I make some really smart ass remarks to somebody, but you can guarantee before I am able to do anything, I'm by myself looking up into the sky with my hat off praying because nothing I do that day is in my control. Mm -hmm. First off and wisdom uh that is important in life is uh god given you know uh knowledge is earned uh but true wisdom is god given and you can't get it unless you ask for it and you seek it right and so if you're not seeking wisdom you're not going to get it so that's what i do when i'm full go time jake mode most of the time before i get out of bed i'm dropping pins to everybody that's there on what I, where I want everybody and how I want them to accomplish it. Right. Yeah. Um, well not how I want them to accomplish it. I'm dropping them pins. This is where you're going. This is where you're going. This is where you're going. Do what we do, but do it here. (laughs) You know, um, that's, so I start that and then get my coffee. And then before any real action happens, uh, I have a good prayer. Um, now when I'm, at home, Jake, business, Jake in the office, Jake, I wake up an hour before I need to be doing anything. And, uh, I just read the Bible and then I make myself, uh, write things down from what I did read, uh, like my opinion and my view of what I read, which makes my mind instantly go into like, uh, the right mode, you know, and it's rightly grounded. So I like that. Yeah, so you'll read something and then you'll write about what you read. Is that yeah. what, did I understand that correctly? Not, yeah. Write about what that, what I learned from it or what, how I can read back at my notes later yeah. and then learn again from it. And, and all that's doing is making my mind think of like, yeah, I read that. That's really good. But what did it mean to me? How did it, you know, make my brain work and, and waking me up? Uh, but it's not just waking me up with like a business book in which I do read in the morning sometimes. Um, uh, but it's waking me up. I try and write things that put you on the right side of the line, mm-hmm. you know, 
Yeah. So you're not starting bad off and with an ugly view of the day. You know, you're starting off with what you should be achieving if you did the day perfectly. Yeah. That's how you should start your day or how I start my day. Yeah. Or just in complete freaking loss of how to start the day and so you just look up and ask him to start for you right? <laughs> personally that's what i do <laughs> sure so you're pretty much a machine and every time that i talk to you you're doing some fucking crazy shit somewhere it's yeah it's and people say that i'm exhausting for them to listen to what i'm doing or or whatever i've got going on and for me it's exhausting trying to keep up and listen to you and what you go, got going on. So, how, mm. I mean, in in all reality, like, how do you manage it? Like, how do you just keep it going? Man, I have good people around me. I ask a lot of the people around me is how I manage things. And, and, uh, freaking with a, with a really big, hang loose mentality yeah i'll tell you um when things that are important they get done um things that relate to me uh i accidentally let them slack a little bit too much uh if that makes sense yeah but um a lot of the work i do um is on my phone because i'm going all the time right yeah um but it's uh it's hard, man. It's hard on equipment and it's hard on people and it's hard on myself. Um, but like everything I'm doing is what I want to be doing and what I should be doing. And it's the way that I'll be able to leave the world better than when I got here. Mm-hmm. And if I take too much time to myself, it's, I'm going to damage that. Right. I'm, I'm not better than when I got it. And, when the sun sets, the world isn't better than when I woke up, right? Yeah. If I am too lax about things. But w- what's harder, Andy, than trying to make a difference and do the right thing is to do that while also doing something you love and that you enjoy. You have to do a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, for me, like, I have to travel a lot and I have to talk to a lot of people and I have to really 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 put my tentacles everywhere to uh be able to make this count yeah i can relate to that <laughs> to be able to call this my life and to make a difference in doing that yeah i i can relate to that yeah. so much you know what i mean and and just i mean you know because you're on the road or i'm on the road and you know when we talk we talk but it's 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 non-stop it's always go 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 Mm. you know and you always yeah you kind of always have you know like you said you, you gotta have your tentacles and everything yeah you know? i tell you i tell you makes you work there is no days off i am go all the time though i am go all the time and my mind is more go all the time than my body is that <laughs> I'm getting slowed down, man. My body's starting to hate me. Yeah, I'm turning gray. That's Are gray. you really? Yeah. Dude, I got gray goatee, some gray sideburns. Is that why you shaved? 
no, I shaved my mustache because it was out of control. No, man, that was glorious. Well, yeah, it'll be back. It just, I, uh, it gets to the point where it's so long and out of control, it needs to be trimmed. But I don't like trimmed mustaches. I think they're gay. So it's, <laughs> you just grow it for six months and then shave it. Todd's got a stellar <laughs> mustache right now. It looks so good. And he's the best mustache man. He isn't Jolly Todd. Good old, yeah. good old freaking. Jolly if you're not watching his cooking stories, you're not living <laughs> all day long. <laughs> What's his Instagram handle? Oh, Todd Herney. Uh, that's a really good question. We're gonna. I'm gonna pull we're it gonna up. Help Planet Earth really quick. Yeah. It's just. Todd um, Harney. All right. It's at Todd, T-O-D-D-H-A-R-N-E-Y. And then when he's cooking something, he does stories, and they're really good. They're – the, I mean, and, I, and I'll, I'll post them on my story because the amount that I cry dying of laughter off of Todd's cooking stories – They're great. Is just ridiculous. Yeah, they're great. Aren't like they? Him. Aren't they? I just, I just saw Todd the other day. Yeah. He's a, he's a swell fella. That's what he would say. <laughs> For sure. Right on, man. Well, shit. I guess that about concludes everything. You got any? You got any exiting thoughts? Anything rolling around in there? Man, not really. I'm really excited for this next season. Yeah, we're all over the board and and uh, have some like really epic people that work for me, and uh, we're gonna rule this year, and some incredible companies that support us and what we're doing, and so I'm just through the roof excited. Last year, I decided to take on some challenges that were. Uh, behind the scene challenges and they were huge uh-huh. and huge hunts to tackle uh this year um is going to be different we're going to have a lot of big animals which would be really nice yeah um, but uh yeah dude there's good this is going to be a good season for kika man and then freaking throw in all the rain in the desert just great you're going to have a lot of cool hunts coming this year for sure yeah i'm excited uh, for your guys success yeah for sure real quick i just i wrote this note down yeah um you know cowboy cade yeah i was gonna get Uh, into cade actually anyway um his grandfather is an old cowboy and this is totally a great saying and i just love it he says uh Tell it how it is today so we don't have to remember what we said. And that is like such a great way to live, right? Yeah. So, anyway. Cade's I, a great kid. I wrote kid. that down. And, yeah, he's a badass. But, um, yeah. So, that is freaking how Kika runs its show all the time. Uh-huh. So, if you call me, I'm going to tell it exactly how it is. So, the next time I talk to somebody... I don't have to remember what I told you because <laughs> it was honest. Right. So. Right on. Well, we'll end yes, it sir. on that note. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And yeah. uh, 
I'm going to go to bed, try and rest on these gray hairs. And thank you for whooping ass. Take a name. Anytime, Jake. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.